Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Well, this is a segment of the show where we, we talk to people that are making a real difference in the world of business, and we try to find out what it is that makes them tick and what advice they can give us that will help us in our business. I mean, we're all about helping entrepreneurs to learn from and emulate the success stories that we bring you, and we want to encourage those who aren't entrepreneurs to get out there and have a go. Yeah, it's one thing to work for somebody, it's something else to be an entrepreneur. It's also one thing to have a great product and create a wonderful business and marketing strategy. But if you don't have the right people, more, more often than not, you're likely to fail. And it's not easy to find the right people that have the right skills and the right personality to complement your business and your current employees. Employee tenure and turnover have not improved in the last 30 years. That's, that's tragic. It's such a crit- critical element of business, and yet when you speak to everyone from startup entrepreneurs to established businesses, they'll all tell you that getting the right employees is an absolute pain in the ass. So securing the right person for the right role, it's tedious, it's tenuous, it's time-consuming, and particularly in the holiday season, it gets very difficult. So it doesn't matter whether you're a big business or a small business, you've got to hire the right people. But how the hell do you do that? In the US economy, two out of every three new jobs is created in the smallest of small businesses, as we've discussed many times before. And more than half of the US workforce is employed by small business. So to drive those businesses, we have to have the right people. Well, there's a solution at hand that I didn't know about until recently. A company called ClearFit. It's got a head office in Toronto in Canada, and it's been used by over 8,000 businesses, including giants such as Salesforce, DHL Express and McDonald's, to address the issue of recruiting new employees. ClearFit, their free trial, takes less than a quarter of the time of job posting than they have partners like Monster.com, which identify candidates. So ClearFit's patented software then uses data analysis to predict employee success five times better than traditional hiring. Now we're going to discuss that because I want to know how that works. The great thing about this is it's all included in the cost of a regular job posting. So you're getting a technological and a psychological look at people you employ or about to employ at the same cost as a regular job posting. My guest today is Ben Baldwin. He's the founder and CEO of ClearFit. And it's described as the app that fixes hiring. Another thing that appeals to me about this guy is that apart from being the CEO of ClearFit, he spends a hell of a lot of his time mentoring others as a Wall Street Journal startup guru, as an American Express Open Forum advisor, as a mentor with extreme startups, which... I think we've heard of before, which primarily funds technology uh, companies with a focus on web or mobile software. 
He's also membership director of Entrepreneurs Organisation, which encourages entrepreneurs in 38 countries around the globe. So we often speak on, on this program about how important it is for entrepreneurs to give back. And uh, I think more and more are, but um, it's one of the most admirable, admirable um, attributes of a, an entrepreneur. He also has a host of articles published in the Wall Street Journal and other publications. He's not called the startup guru without reason. He's really in tune with not only the employment scene, but he's also an absolute expert on entrepreneurs and startups. This program's about assisting entrepreneurs, so I can't think of a more appropriate guest to have on the show. Hi, mate. How are you? Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Great. Thanks, Bob. It's uh, it's it's great to be here, and thanks for such a nice intro. That was uh, that was great. Now, what what led you into creating Clearfit? I mean, most college grads are trying to determine the best way of using career advisors to get a job, not sort of sitting there thinking about, hmm, how can I develop a technology solution to improve them? Um, how did that come about? Have you got a family history in HR or something? or How did it come about? Good question. So I think it all stems from our vision, and our vision at ClearFit is a world where the right people are in the right jobs, resulting in, in happier employees, Sure. And in more productive organizations, but it all starts with the person. So for us, it's all about that scenario where you have the dreaded Sunday that comes before a Monday where you're not happy with your work and you kind of dread going in. It ruins not only your Monday when you show up, but you also, during your family time, have a little bit of stress. And you know what? Your boss is probably feeling the same way yeah, exactly. on, uh, on Monday when you show up. So. The situation doesn't work overall, and the problem is that it's really inefficient for for people to find work that fits them. I mean, we we all know the big brands advertising their big jobs, but how do you democratize the right job? How does the right job find you if it's if it doesn't have enough money to be in your face? And then, in particular, there's a real passion that I have, as 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 you noted, for the small business owner. So, sure just like the individual trying to find how they can become the most productive and happy member of society and um, kind of the point of life is to be happy, I think. So Absolutely. Something that works for you during the day and that you're fulfilled in is really key. But the other side as well, imagine if that job is running your own business, being fulfilled at that and creating something that's a productive part of the American society, creating jobs for other people that's a really that's a really difficult thing to do and something that that requires a lot of support. So it's not just something that I dedicate my time to through through mentorship or being an advisor um, for, for for startups, but it's the whole genesis of Clearfit and where it came from, which is helping a part of the market, the small business market that doesn't get a lot of help, mm. helping them really making it super easy for any size of business to find and hire the employees who succeed, who the ones who will, who will really perform at that, at that job. And it not having to be something that you have, you know, big bucks of the big brand in order to do and in order to attract people. So selfishly, it's pretty fulfilling for me. And I think everybody else here wears that, uh, that vision, that mission very, very closely. And it's, it's very much about the, um, about the person and then about the entrepreneur as well. 
How hard is it? Because last week on the show we talked about a study that had just come out, and it escapes me at the minute who the study was by. Um, but an employee's an employer study that said that the average employer thinks that um, college grads in particular are totally inadequately prepared for any form of work. They really said that the big problem is not only hiring people, but hiring people who have any skills with regard to how business works whatsoever. Do you find that? Does that make your life much harder? <laughs> the, yeah, it's a funny question because it depends which side you're asking. So, frankly, when we think about college students, college students are pretty homogenous in their skill set. Yeah. What's happening is that employers, and this isn't something that's happened recently, it's been happening forever, employers don't know what they need. Yeah. So, often they, they're trying to hire something that we call a, a unicorn. They're looking for an MBA with experience in graphic design who also has a few patents. Yeah. Um, and they don't want to be paid anything. They want to work for free. Um, so it's hard, to, it's hard to figure out what it is that, that you need. I think a lot of this can be fixed by, I mean, a technique that we use is literally, it's really simple. It's two columns. And this works for, for candidates coming out of college and it works for employers who are, who are looking to hire people from college. Hmm. For the jobs that you're thinking about a college student for, create a column, what do you need? And then the, the key part here is another column, what do you not need? So actually writing the things down that you don't need, often, more often than not, is you're going to find that it's your perception of what you need that's getting in the way. What you actually need is a lot less. What you really need, though, is the right fit. And when we say the right fit, it's the, the, that, that can-do piece and we'll do piece together so it's the it's the skill side but the most important stuff and the stuff that you can't train is that personality motivation piece and that is college um is the greatest place to find that because you find it for a really good price yeah. it just depends how much you want to spend on either getting that that college grad up to speed or sometimes you can meet that college grad send them off to procter and gamble to get properly trained like some companies do and then recruit them back in time. Um, I'd say college is, has always been and, and will forever be a great place to find great people. But, uh, you have to be pretty certain about what it is that you, that you want not be unrealistic. People are pretty, well, everybody's very multifaceted. When you're looking to, fit somebody into a role, how many of those facets of somebody's um, skills, personality, all the rest of the, the things, do you guys take into account? Good question. So the process to apply online to a job, whether it's Monster, or Builder, Craigslist, takes a candidate roughly 20 minutes. Yep. Our process takes um, between 12 to 14 minutes for the average person to go through and it happens right from a job posting, uh, like Monster, for instance. Okay. But what we're looking at is the resume. Yep. Any specific experiences that the employer needs, like custom experiences, like can you drive a bus? Right. Um, or whatever they want. So there's, there's specific experiences, any knowledge that you need. 
And then there's uh, personality and motivation, which kind of together is cultural fit. So you have resume, experience, knowledge, personality, motivation. So most people spend their time on, on the resume. Absolutely. But the real predictor is that we've found the highest, best predictor of future success is that personality and, and motivation by far. So how do, you, how do you determine that without actually looking into somebody's beady blue eyes? Uh, we, we have, and that's part of the process. So resume is pretty easy. I mean, resume is a resume, Sure. but it's a, it's a questionnaire and the type of questionnaire that we use has been validated and, uh, you know, built so that it's reliable and legally defensible by, you know, uh, PhDs. So it's really, really sophisticated. It looks pretty simple, but it's essentially a, a questionnaire that uh, that asks you behavioral questions. What would you do in this situation? And it's it's not easy to figure out what we're asking. You can't right. really game it very easily. It's asking you behavioral questions, so you know you should be able to answer it pretty honestly. But you don't know whether you're we're asking you about a question about drive or a question about teamwork. Sure. Secondly, our system picks up when people are trying to what we call distort, whether they're creating a um, a picture that they're manufacturing a picture that either they think the employer wants to see or they themselves are trying to manufacture or, or leave stuff out about how they actually are. I mean, that's nobody's a, perfect. That's an interesting one because we've seen from Facebook posts, and this is probably a big surprise, that people actually lie. <laughs> So, I don't know. Maybe you could be lying right now. <laughs> I could be. So how do you how do you pick up a lie? Is that just a very clever psychological trick that you've got built in there that goes eh, 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 flash <laughs> warning? Uh, sort of. Um, it, it is kind of. There are four different ways we look at consistency. For instance, yeah. as you're responding to the questions, there are certain elements of the tool that. Uh, um, people who are more likely to manipulate, uh, I can't give away any trade secrets, but there are certain things that they do over others. But the point isn't to point out liars. The point is, so we're not doing anyone a great service if we're just saying that we, you know, this person is a liar. And frankly, there's no online questionnaire that can tell you 100% if someone's sure. a liar or not. Unless you ask them, are you a liar? And they respond yes, but then still, I guess you don't know if you think about it. Really. <laughs> um, <laughs> Actually, that's but, true. <laughs> uh, the, way, the way it works, the way it works is we raise a flag that says, hey, there's some weird stuff going on with this person's results, yeah. which leads us to believe that they may be manipulating their results. Manipulate. There's not enough bad news here, right? It's sort of like when you're crossing someone and all they talk about is all the amazing stuff they've done. Same sort of thing. And uh, so that's what we do. So employers see that this person's results may be distorted and then we show you how this person, what they, what they look like, how they compare with top performers. And you can, you can actually see it because it's a graphic, graphical representation in Clearfit, just how they're representing themselves. And sometimes you can see the too good to be true right before your eyes. And sometimes yeah. it's... Uh... Okay. Well, has mentoring um, other people always been a passion of yours or it's just been a passion since um, Clearfit's become a huge success and you've had 
more experience and more time, I guess, maybe, to um, to do it. Or if you always wanted to help people when you're a little kid, you were walking old ladies across the street or something. Are you a good guy? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, interesting question. I, I don't know. Like the the title mentor was is one that uh, that's, that's given to me for the type of work that I do. But I think yeah. it's more about really deeply caring about uh, other people not making the same mistakes that I've made or that others have made that I've avoided. So it's really just about sharing experiences as opposed to being, I think that's the way that entrepreneurs interpret information the best as well is not getting advice. And this is something that the entrepreneurs organization is really good about training into their members is it's not uh, in, in YPO as well, Young Presidents Organization. Sure. Yep. Is, yep. It's not about, you know, here's the advice, here's what you should do because I'm whoever. It's here's something that happened to me. You know, you can learn from my experience and codify it for yourself. So really for me, it's, I don't know, I just want to see people succeed in general. <laughs> so Yeah, I do too. Yeah, I, I mean, it's the I same do. passion that you have. That's exactly where it comes from. So you can call me whatever you want. I mean, I certainly wouldn't call myself a mentor. My, um, But that's, that's I guess, a mentor, advisor. Just, I don't know. I want to do something that helps. And that's, we've also baked that into, uh, into ClearFit. So that, that's fantastic. So what's the biggest issue that faces most small business entrepreneurs? What's their, what's their biggest problem, challenge? Huh. I think that that's uh, pretty apart easy. From raising, make, uh, apart from raising funds, which... So if you have enough money, yeah, yeah you your number money. one issue... Sorry? If, yeah, assuming that you've got the money, I mean, that's always a mega problem, but assuming you've mm-hmm. got the money, what's now the biggest issue? The biggest issue is always people. And the reason is, if you have the wrong people... It can kill your business. Even if you have a sure. perfect strategy, perfect product, perfect Absolutely. everything, you have the wrong people, you're dead. Yep. If you have the uh, you have the right people and your strategy is a little off, your product is a little off, you can but you have really great people, yep. Yep. you're going to be okay. Yeah. Right. So that's the biggest that's the biggest thing. If you have enough money in the bank, and hey, sometimes those people can help you get money as well so sure. I would say the number one thing is people but it's really complex like the whole process of getting those people is complex because human nature is not helping us we tend to yeah. like people who are like us and people we understand Absolutely. Uh, but that's maybe not the best person to hire so how do I avoid falling into that trap of Hiring people who I like, like someone who either shows up at my store or my restaurant or someone who walks into my office, I really get along with them. I can't believe they didn't perform well. Well, there's no correlation there. So how do you get past that, that biased behavior? And uh, that's where I spend a lot of my focus. We're all taught that, aren't we, with, well, a lot of us who have done NLP and whatever. Mm-hmm. We're taught to um, communicate with people and, and reflect the person that we're talking to and to develop that affinity because people do like to um, or do gravitate towards people that have the same views or appear to have the same views and the same personality that they do. Um, So, and of course, that simply doesn't work when you 
when you're in business, but one of the biggest breakdowns in a lot of companies is simply a clash of personalities. So you can't go too far off base, can you? <laughs> sometimes, sometimes when you have two people who are the same, it's just as bad as a clash of personalities. At least yeah. a clash of personalities, you you know what you're getting into, and there's a complementary cycle. I, I run into a lot of founders. You have one or the other. Um, a lot of startups, they have a technical founder and they have a, a business founder, yeah. quote unquote. Or uh, and, and and so the technical person hires technical people, and and the business person hires hires the business people. The uh, there's a real challenge with business that businesses have when they have two two business founders is they find it difficult sometimes to hire the right technical person because the behavior the the great technical person exhibits sometimes don't make sense to them. Um, <laughs> yeah, same goes. The same goes for the business side, where your technical person and you're trying to hire a business person, not quite sure how to do that, and that's where that's where you start looking for for help. Uh, if, if you don't, if you're not aware of your limitations, that's where the real challenge is. If you think you're amazing at someone at something, uh, that's that's the real challenge. If you're aware that you need some help, then that's great. So you can find help, but uh, um, so, it's not human nature. So if I hire somebody today, what's uh-huh. the first what's the first sign that this isn't working? If you hire them today, yeah, as opposed a, what, to what's the what's the first sign the that process? I get? No, after that, I've I've interviewed them and mm-hmm. I've hired them. They've started. What's the first sign that uh uh-uh, this isn't going to work? <laughs> Could be anything. It's often just gut feel. It's sort of like walking into a forest and you don't hear the sound of any birds. You know something's up. Uh, That's what it's like. Uh, There's an expression with someone who shows up to the job interview. They have this nice tidy suitcase. When you hire them, they bring in this huge trunk. And that starts to happen. They have, and especially for sales, they start to have a, a routine for these different interviews that they're doing. And then when they show up to the real world at your workplace, they don't have that same great interviewing routine to, to rely on. They actually have to perform. So sometimes if it's a salesperson, as an example, you'll see the, uh, sometimes someone's being a little bit of a blowhard or pretending they know everything. That could be a bad indication. Um, another indication could be that they just don't, they just don't perform and they always have an excuse. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, it can manifest in a bunch of different ways, but usually insecurities they stem from they stem from the person though they they wouldn't stem from necessarily from past experience. We did a lot of work with pharmaceutical companies, and the candidates with the with the greatest depth of experience sometimes they were the worst performers when compared to people with no experience. And it yeah. took them. So you were describing a person showing up at work. Is that, like is when that you because they're bad. Is that because they're set in their ways? That's because they're traditionally used to doing things and they think that because they've always done them that way that's the best way to do them and that a bit is that like when, when things get tough I think people resort to methods techniques that have been useful to them in the past yeah uh, but in general it's really the behavior beneath that so if you're not a if, let's say you're not a, a, a really assertive person no matter what the amount of assertiveness training I give you 
it's probably going to be bad return on investment compared with having a person who's actually assertive, as an example. Right. So yeah. I can tell you that I'm assertive, and I can show up to an interview as that type of person, and or at least fake it. But when I show up at work, those behaviors are really hard to change. Part of that is, um, it, and the vast majority of that is just just who I am. And in some in some roles, like that pharmaceutical one I was mentioning, pharmaceutical sales sometimes takes three years to figure out whether you've got a bad performer on your hand and the. Wow. Uh, the cost of that is around a million dollars for each of those hires. So it's sometimes it's really hard to figure out whether you've got a bad egg in your hands. and So it's really costly. Okay. My last, you sort of half addressed my last question. Um, a lot of people hire staff based almost solely on their resume, and that always, mm-hmm. to me, seems like it's fraught with danger. And people also hire people based on the belief that they can sort of change them and mould them to fit the desired role. And, mm-hmm. you know, I subscribe to the theory that the only way to change people <laughs> is to actually change the people. Um, so what, what percentage of the selection criteria should be really based on resume? Because res- resumes are so full of bullshit, aren't they? And, <laughs> yep. And you know, I can get 100 people to ring you this afternoon and tell you how wonderful I am. But that doesn't mean that I'm not a mass murderer, you know, deep down. <laughs> deep <laughs> down. You You're good at concealing it. Um, <laughs> the, yeah, I mean, you, you nailed it. So the thing you don't give in on, imagine this axis where one of these, one of the arms of the axis is, um, these, these axes, one axis is um, personality and motivation, Yep. And then the other axis is experience and, and knowledge. Yep. And your ideal person is up in the upper right-hand corner, and they have both. Right. The one that you give in on is 100%, the one you give in on, is the experience and, and knowledge. That stuff can be trained. The yep. one that you really can't give in on is the personality, motivation, the cultural fit, who that person is. It doesn't matter how amazing they are at their role. Yep. You nailed it. You can't. The only way to change that who someone is is to... Change, change who someone is. Yeah, exactly. Who the someone is. You. It's exactly what it is. That's exactly. Yeah. That's the truth. Yeah. Ben Baldwin, thank you very much for all the great work you do with entrepreneurs. I'm really, I I, I love that, and I, I'm always saying that entrepreneurs have got to really give back. And uh, congratulations on the huge success with Clearfit. It, it's a great example. Ben's a great example of. Um, what goes around comes around. You give, you'll get. You don't, somewhere somewhere along the line, it'll bite you. So if you'd like to know more about Ben and ClearFit, go to clearfit.com, simple, C-L-E-A-R-F-I-T.com. This is Bob Pritchard. You're listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business, and I will be back with you in just a moment. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. 
Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Hello, world. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. I guess if you're listening, you're wondering why we ran the interview first. Well, you're not going to believe it. I was um, doing a guest spot on Ken Rakowski's fantastic show, Business Rockstars, which is on CBS, KFWB, two to four every day. And uh, I was a guest there, and on the way home, of course, in peak traffic in Los Angeles, I had a flat tire right in the middle of a two-lane windy road up through the mountains, and I got stuck. And thanks to two fantastic people, both being guests on this show, who came and rescued me and just got me to the studio here in time. Jay Rankin, great author, who's working on Under the Neon Sky, whose book Under the Neon Sky, working on making it a television show. And Rick Callard, one of my dear friends, who's an Emmy Award winning writer, who's writing with Jay. They were writing, about to get into their dinner, and uh, I frantically called and said, mate, I need help. And they battled through the traffic and they've just got me to the studio. So thank you very much, guys. I really appreciate it. And uh, to all of you listening, I'm here. Now, I hope everybody listening to the, to the show in the States had a fantastic Thanksgiving and managed to make some great purchases, either Black Friday or Small Business Saturday or yes, uh, yesterday on Cyber Monday. There were some fantastic bargains around, weren't there? What was interesting is that although sales were down marginally on last year, US mobile commerce reached new highs. On Thanksgiving and Black Friday, retailers sent out 37% more more push notifications on average than on any other day. Push notifications, they're, they're messages that can be sent through apps to smartphones and they're used by retailers to... Um, I guess, alert shoppers of deals and promotions so that they can drive online sales and in-store visits. And boy, does it work. Online sales transacted with mobile devices increased to 22% of total online sales on Black Friday. That's a 43% increase over last year. Three other things were also of note over Thanksgiving. Firstly, Mobile accounted for 53% of total Thanksgiving web web traffic. Thanksgiving was also the busiest day on Instagram ever. And thirdly, shopping through PayPal Mobile 
increased 91% over Thanksgiving 2012. Wow. I think we are at critical mass. Now, as you know, here at the um, Bob Pritchard Radio Show and in our consulting business, we champion entrepreneurs. I love entrepreneurs. No matter where you are in the world, we really appreciate it. And I want to thank you all for your support and your emails. We love to get feedback and we really appreciate you enjoying the show. And we salute entrepreneurs anywhere of any age. So anybody who gets off their ass and has a go, this week I want to salute Asher Weintraub. He's only 10 years old, 10, but he invented the Minerki. Now, you've probably seen it on the news, but the Minerki is a candelabra, which is a cross between a menorah to celebrate Hanukkah and a turkey to celebrate Thanksgiving. Asher designed the Minerki, put it on Kickstarter to raise 25000 raised 50000 in a few days. The result? Well, they sold 7,000 Minerkis in just a few days. Asher, 10-year-old entrepreneur, we at the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, we salute you. Well done. You know, I'm tired of people who are in their 20s, 30s, 40s and 50s saying how bloody hard world is. Here's a 10-year-old, comes up with a great idea and does well with it. I've been talking for quite a while about how in the not-too-distant future we're going to have products that we buy either delivered um, by drone or printed in the home on our 3D printers. I've had a whole bunch of people telling me that while it sounds great, it's never going to happen. Well, on 60 Minutes this week, Jeffrey Bezos told us that Amazon's experimenting with drones that will deliver packages anywhere within 30 minutes. 30 minutes from his house to yours. Bezos said that he expected the drones to be fully operational in four to five years. My belief is that it'll be much quicker than that, as we know the Senate's debating or discussing how to police drones, and uh, I think it's going to happen pretty quick. Over the past few months, we've also been talking about the demise of traditional television. This week, it's been confirmed that audience ratings have collapsed. With negative ratings growth on broadcast and cable every month from September 2011. And the pay TV industry has reported its worst 12-month period ever, losing over 110,000 subscribers in just one quarter, and more than 5 million people have ended their cable and broadband subscriptions in the last three years. That's five million people less. Primetime cable and broadcast since July 2011 has shown a consistent decrease in ratings of about 3% or more each year. Fewer people are watching TV, both cable and broadcast, and even ratings for some major TV events are declining. For example, Nearly 14 million people watched the World Series Game 1 in 2004, and by 2012, that number had halved. In 15 years, the number of viewers for the NBA Finals have decreased from 30 million to 16 million. Since 2010, cable TV video subscribers 
have decreased from 45 million to 41 million. And the cable and broadcast companies who used to attract up to 500,000 new subscribers a quarter today consistently lose subscribers. For the first time ever, less than half of the subscribers at the major broadband companies actually subscribe to cable TV. In the last quarter, Cablevision, Charter, Comcast and Time Warner Cable all lost considerable viewers. Now, what is extraordinary, though, is that while the number of US households continues to grow quite quickly, up to about 150-odd million, the number of people who watch TV is declining. It's only about 40 million. These viewers are watching more and more mobile instead of TV or mobile or tablets to the extent where 40% of all YouTube traffic comes from mobile and at night tablets are stealing the primetime TV audience. As As we've been saying for the last few months here, the really bad news for broadcast and cable news is that advertising money is shifting from television to digital media. In many ways, cable TV is contributing to its own demise. You know, as they lose subscribers, they're charging the remaining customers more in subscription fees, which pisses people off and more people leave. So we're in the middle of a seismic shift in viewing habits that is going to rock so-called traditional media. They are in the death throes. There was an also an extraordinary story this week about the NFL, and I love the NFL. It's the most popular sport on American television. It dominates viewing for five months of the year. And as you know, the average game lasts three hours and 12 minutes on television, but the ball is actually in play in any game for only 11 minutes. <laughs> Let me just repeat that. There's only 11 minutes of football in a three-hour and 12-minute broadcast. And the average play in the NFL is only four seconds. Actual play only occupies 6% of the game. What takes up much of the other three hours or 94% of the game? That's right, advertisements. About 120 of them. Sounds absolutely dreadful. 11 minutes of football and 120 ads. But I must admit, last week, or the week before last, I was absolutely glued to that Denver Broncos-New England Patriots game. That was a ripper. Whether it was 11 minutes or whatever, the whole three hours was riveting. Now, in my speech presentations to corporations, you know, I, I talk to them about the increasing rate of change and what companies can expect in the next 10 years and, you know, how it's going to affect every single facet of every one of our businesses. I also talk about what we can do to address these issues before they occur because if you don't, you are almost certain to go out of business. So it was interesting this week to have a look back 100 years and just to see what things were like 100 years ago. And don't forget, in the next 10 years, things are going to change 10 times more quickly than they did in the last 100. So 
That's something to really think about, isn't it? Just a hundred years ago, the average life expectancy for men was just 47 years. So men croaked it at 47. Fuel for cars was sold only in drugstores. So if you wanted to buy gas for your car, the only place you could go was to a drugstore. And only 8% of homes had a telephone. So now every home's got one and a half or well, no, more than that, every person's got one and a half, so every home's got about eight phones. You know, the speed limit 100 years ago was 10 miles an hour, and the average American worker earned just 22 cents an hour. Now, this is something that I found pretty scary. 90% of all doctors had no college education, and even more scary, there was no such thing as underarm deodorant or toothpaste. Yuck. The American flag only had 45 stars. And I think Jay might be listening to this, Jay Rankin. I don't know whether you've got a copy of Under the Neon Sky. It is a bloody great book. Jay was a doorman in Vegas for a lot of years, and he has some sensational stories. Anyway, I digress. The population of Las Vegas 100 years ago was... 30, 30. (laughs) Now they get a million visitors a week. Only 6% of Americans had graduated from high school. 18% of households had at least one full-time servant. And I love this one. There were only four murders a week in the whole United States. So 100 years ago, there were only four murders a week. Now there are 327 murders every week single week. She Today, I'd also like to salute another entrepreneur, Arnold St. Paul. He's a terrific guy. He's really a good guy. And as we've often said on this program, and we just mentioned it a minute ago, on, online sales, particularly mobile, are booming. And we're going to see a minimum, I reckon, of a 20% year-on-year growth this season in online spending. I mean, it is just booming. Mobile commerce is projected to reach its highest ever percentage of total digital commerce at maybe around 15%. And just this quarter alone, spending will be around $10 billion. So we all like things to make or like something to make things a little bit easier. So enter SmartSea, S-M-A-R-T-S-Y. It's a new generation of mobile platform shopping app that enables readers of print and online magazines to just click and easily buy products that's featured on editorial pages. SmartSea enables you to identify must-have items that are advertised or in video, it's just such a fantastic time saver because it enables you to search, find and buy the item that you're interested in, and it puts the control of the shopping process right in your hands. One interesting aspect of Smartsy, it'll also drive consumers online, which provides significant economic value to brands and magazines. 
SmartSea also functions as a marketing tool by integrating information from the magazines and fashion brands and retailers and enables you to share all this shopping data with everybody. This app, SmartSea, will shortly be available from iTunes and Google Play for use with any mobile device and you'll be able to use it in more than 100 print and online applications. I love it. It's simple, it's practical, and it is so bloody easy. Find something you like, click, you know all about it, buy it. Now, Credit Suisse has just published their World Wealth Report, which shows that global wealth has risen by 68% over the last 10 years to reach an all-time high of $241 trillion. Now, you hear all the time, no matter where you go, these idiots who say that the US is on the decline. Rubbish. Three quarters of the increase in global wealth over the last 10 years occurred where? Right here in the US. Not in China, not in India. Three quarters of the total growth in world income wealth occurred right here. Last year, there was 1.8 million new millionaires in the world. 1.7 of them, 1.7 million of them, that's 99% are from the United States of America. We now have over 13 million millionaires. France is in second spot. You'd never guess that. Germany in third spot, followed by Italy. Italy? Italy's in fourth spot, then the United Kingdom. No India, no China. So for opportunity, the United States is still by far the greatest country in the world. The opportunities in this country are amazing and they're available to absolutely everybody. Now you're listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. The whole reason we're here is to assist entrepreneurs to become successful. So if you've got a question about any aspect of business, please don't hesitate to email me at bob at bobpritchard.com and we will answer it on air or we'll email you directly. We're the number one show in the world on radio for entrepreneurs. So no matter where you are on the planet, we thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed my guest, Ben Baldwin, the founder and co-CEO of ClearFit which is the app that fixes hiring. He began the show for us today. He is a fantastic guy. And um, I urge you to look him up. Look him up on Google, Ben Baldwin. Get in touch with him. He's not called a startup guru without any reason. He's really in tune with not only the employment scene, but he's also an absolute expert on entrepreneurs and startups. He is a terrific guy. I will be back in just a couple of minutes with... My email segment. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. 
Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking. Absolutely no bullshit business show. And we're coming to you live every Tuesday evening at 5 p.m. in Los Angeles. I... Uh, Apart from the flat tyre <laughs> on the way here tonight, I had a bit of a rough couple of days. I uh, had some um, dental work done, quite extensive dental work done actually, and uh, I'm a little bit sore. But um, so if you can, if you're noticing a uh, um, sort of a funny sound in my voice, that's why. Each week. We try to bring you emails from listeners around the world and also we want to put in a lot of emails from our female entrepreneurs because they are really coming to the fore around the world everywhere. Um, female entrepreneurs are doing extremely well and they form a great base of support on this program. My first email today comes from Alison Margolis of Detroit and Alison writes, a couple of weeks ago, you sp spoke about the Internet of Things, which was totally new to me, and I've since mentioned it to a number of my friends, and none of them have ever heard of it either. Can you give me a few more details about what it is, how it works, and how it will affect our business? Alison, thanks very much for the uh, email. I appreciate you listening to the show. The Internet of Things is already here. A major survey by Forrester Consulting showed that 15% of companies already have Internet of Things solutions. A further 28% will have some solutions in the next 12 months. 39% sorry, and 39% will have some solutions in the next two years. Only 7% of companies are not planning for the Internet of Things. This has been described as a major watershed in the global consumer economy. Internet connections will be built into almost all new products. And it doesn't matter whether they're air conditioners or light bulbs or security alarms or window shades or door locks. They're all going to be controlled through apps and websites with all the data, of course, stored in the cloud. Companies specialising in home automation and established consumer 
consumer products, they're going to battle with the large Silicon Valley tech companies to control this space. It is going to be full on. Now, think of the benefits if your washer and your dryer report energy usage to you and they, it reports the cycle settings to you through a smartphone app. And you can set and control your stove from your office via your smartphone. I mean, it's just such a gigantic market. Almost every single item can be internet controlled. And by 2020, this market is expected to be in excess of $2.5 trillion. Just think about every gadget in your house, your garage door, your your car, everything, all the kitchen and the home appliances, all the lighting, the heating products, Um, insurance companies will issue you with monitoring devices that enable you to pay your insurance only for the amount of miles that you're driving. Now, companies such as LG and Siemens and GE they're already well into this. They already have a number of products out in the marketplace and they're adding connected products almost daily. Companies like Friedrich, you know, they're the manufacturers of air conditioning units. They're very advanced in the Internet of Things. A startup called Smart Things has built its entire business model around easily deployable sensors, monitors, and apps that allow consumers to run every single thing in your house through your smartphone. And while the GEs and LG, etc., are right into this field now and are promoting it through as hard as they can, you can bet that the Apple's and the Googles won't be very far behind. Now, while it sounds complicated, it's really very, very simple. Every device that's made will simply contain an internet connection of some sort, a sensor to collect data, and a processor to process it. It's that easy. I was just thinking, though, what if a hacker got into your Internet of Things And you came home from work, you've just had a tough day, you catch the train, you get home, you walk into the house and you find all your doors and your windows open, your blinds are closed, your oven's on, the blender's thrashing, fridges and stoves are all doing doing their own thing, the washing machine's washing, the dishwasher's washing, the clothes dryer's drying, and you haven't done anything. All that's happened is somebody has hacked you. (laughs) Wow, that could be pretty interesting. Alison, I hope that um, information's helpful to you. What it does mean is that it will totally revolutionise the way we um, do everything, pretty much. I mean, it's really, I think it's very cool. But um, you could spend, you know, if if you're having trouble now um, using all the apps on the iPhone, Just imagine how difficult it's going to become. Now, since you already have a copy of Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, which is my latest book, we'll send you a copy of Marketing Magic. Now, this is a book that I wrote a few years ago 
with Brian Tracy, J. Conrad Levison, and Robert Bly. It's a good book. In fact, it's a great book. What am I being modest about? I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Incidentally, Kick-Ass Business and Market- Marketing Secrets is now available as an audio book. You can uh, get onto Amazon, get yourself a copy of that. And if you wait a little while, maybe they'll deliver it to your house in a drone. My second email today comes from Francis Alexander of Newport, Rhode Island. And Francis writes, Dear Bob, I'm not sure whether Francis is a male or a female, but I welcome you, whoever you are. Thank you very much for your great interviews. The interview a few weeks ago with Scott Scott Page from Pink Floyd was fantastic. I had no idea that he was such a successful entrepreneur as well as a great musician. You also spoke recently about the rapid increase in the rate of change with technology. Is that change just going to affect the technology industry or will it bring about sweeping changes across the whole of society? Francis, that's a bloody good question. For those who may have missed the segment, Singularity University predicts that the rate of technological change is going to escalate very quickly to the point where in 10 years from now, we're going to be getting over 2,000 times the amount of information and new technology than we are now. In fact, Zuckerberg predicts that it will double every year. You know, I don't know about you, but I find it difficult to keep up with change now with thousands of new apps being released every week and new technologies being announced daily. I think it's difficult. Francis, I think the dramatic and disruptive change that we will see will be across society as a whole. And while there are amazing advances in technology, such as how we communicate and the quality of the communication, if you look at healthcare, media, retail, manufacturing, transportation, air travel, motor vehicles, and all the rest of the areas, the development that's taking place is remarkable. And just in healthcare alone, I think we're on the verge of making extraordinary discoveries. But the one thing I think is fantastic about this change is that in the main, it's happening for the benefit of everybody in society and not just the privileged few that have had it so good over the last 20 years. I'm excited about the changes and I'm look forward, looking forward to the making this world a bloody sight better place and more equal than it is now. Francis, tomorrow we'll send you, send you a copy of my latest bestseller, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, How to Blitz Your Competition. If you're a regular listener to the show and are benefiting from the advice that my guests and I give you each week, please tell your friends to listen. Go to my website at bobpritchard.com and subscribe to my monthly newsletter. Send in your questions. Email me at bob at bobpritchard.com and follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Google+, and please contact me on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening to the Bob Pritchard. Absolutely no bullshit. Tell it as it is. Business radio show for entrepreneurs. And remember, if you're serious about being successful, this is the place to come every week at the same time. I apologize for my late start. Thanks again to Rick and Jay. This is Bob Pritchard, and I hope you have a fantastic and extremely successful week. You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.